Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Hello and welcome to the Yahoo Fantasy Football Forecast. I'm Liz Loza, joined all season long on Fridays by my good friend Dalton Del Don in just a moment we'll be previewing each and every one of the sunday games for week three but first we got a little pre-show business to get out of the way you know how you're always asking and tweeting at your favorite fantasy experts <clears throat> hello uh <laughs> who to start every week or you know if you made a good trade good news you don't have to do that anymore i mean but you can if you really want to because Hashtag engagement. Yahoo Fantasy Plus gives you all the advice you need specific to your team and your league. How easy is that? Plus, uh, you get a weekly newsletter written by the Presidente himself, Andy Barons, and it is chocked full of great fantasy tidbits, ones that will help you get an edge over the rest of your league. So give it a spin with a free trial at yahoofantasyfootball.com slash plus. Speaking of analysts who get tweeted out a lot, what's up, Dalton Dildon? Not much, Liz. How's it going? I'm good. How's your uh, how's your burner? How's your fake account going? You're so famous oh, that yeah. like people try to people have a fake account, a fake Twitter account for Dalton. Yeah, I believe you've fallen for it twice too with retweets. Don't uh, <laughs> <laughs> encourage it. Don't encourage the trolls. Yes, you've fallen for it with the retweet. Yes, they yeah. They, are you just yes? They were being nice. Yes, but someone had a little. They're playing with my name, and my name is yes. It's it's a tongue twister. And uh, yeah, I actually had an Instagram imposter that was even far more extreme than this one last year, where they were trying to get like family members to like money and stuff with direct messages behind. It was actually that was that was another story, a different time, but that was actually pretty wild too. Wow! Or yeah. so they're trying to get some of that Amen money. Yeah, yeah. Ammons. <laughs> yes, yes, yeah, exactly. Yes, yes. Did you know, Dalton? So to the to that point, I don't I don't know if you feel comfortable sharing this. We can edit it out. But like, your family is in the almond business. Is that fair to say, or is it okay to say? That's very fair. Yes, my brother. Um, yeah, I'm not even connected to it at all no. anymore. I helped back in the day, but um, so yeah. But yes, my uh, my brother and my dad uh, was was very much, and now my brother has carried on the the family. Yes, we're we're Ammon farmers. Did you see the quote from Tom Brady that says he eats like? 15 almonds a day and that he's very pro almond. I was like, oh yeah, keeping the Del Don family riches alive. Not yours, but your brother's. That's right. Yeah. He's not from Brady's not fr- from too far from here. And I, I guess the guy's never tried a strawberry in his life, but apparently he likes almonds. So you love that about him. I mean, he's the goat. So who am I to argue? No, absolutely not. Okay. So uh, let's get to some games here because I could talk with uh, and chat with Dalton all day long. But that's not what this podcast is for. This podcast is to help you listeners. Let's begin the preview with the Washington football team at the Buffalo Bills. Taylor Heineke will be making his second start of the season. 
Uh, he was the QB 11 overall in fantasy last week, so not too shabby. Dalton, I've been getting a lot of questions about Terry McLaurin. I don't know why. You saw him make a circus catch in week one. You saw him connect um, with Heineke in week two, converting on 11 to 14 for over 100 yards and a touchdown. I don't know if people are worried about the Tredavious White effect, but he did manage, you know, Bradbury last week. Are you worried at all about Terry McLaurin? Oh, not at all. He's easy uh, wide receiver, top 15-ish type start for yep. me this week. Uh, no no question, the volume. And plus, he's so good. Remember, he was playing with two high ankle sprains last year. I know it's funny he doesn't get the quarterback he expected, nor the receiver starting opposite of him, but it's fine. I mean, clearly Heineke gets it done. Uh, this funny, Liz, coming to this game, DVOA, it's a small sample, but one of these defenses is ranked number two and the other's number 18, and they're the opposite of what we'd expect. I mean, Buffalo's defense has been the, the one carrying its team as Josh Allen is off to a slower start. Guys like myself who took him over Kyler Murray are regretting that decision in fantasy leagues. Um, Washington, you know, you look back on it, they really beat up backup quarterbacks for this stretch last year. I think they're going to be a very good defense, but I personally might have overranked them as like a top three unit this year. I think they will be will be better. But um, yeah, it's interesting. They've disappointed, whereas Buffalo's defense, you know, they added the edge rushers in the first two rounds and it, it's paid off. Well, the Washington football team now has had 10 days to rest. So I'm sure that Ron Rivera, a defensive-minded coach, obviously is on them about some of the inefficiencies that they've had over the start of the season. You make an excellent point, though, about Buffalo's defense. They have been stopping the run incredibly well, which leads me to ask a question about Antonio Gibson, who's been dealing with this shoulder issue. Now, Rivera said that it's, quote, fine. He's not worried about it. But there's another issue, which is, the uh, McKissick problem, by the way, I did start McKissick against you in a league that we play in last uh, you week. You did. You, you, yeah, you killed me. Congrats. Yes. But I was stunned, by the way. That felt very, very good. But McKissick remains Dominated. like an issue on third downs. You know, he did have a rushing touchdown, but it was the five catches for 83 yards. I think that fantasy managers, at least who subbed him in as a flex, like to see or those who were relying on Antonio Gibson for more were frustrated by. Yeah, I'm still using Gibson, but he's not using the McCaffrey role that people talked about in the preseason. It's obviously a little bit frustrating. Yeah, McKissick's still there. And uh, Buffalo, by the way, just $11 in Yahoo DFS, nearly the minimum. I mean, they're more than touchdown home favorites. I know Heineke's played well, but with the defense playing so well and, and playing with a, a lead, possibly, that's a it's hard to argue against that price to use them in Yahoo DFS. But um, yeah, I'm still rolling with Gibson. I'm still rolling with McLaurin, even with the tougher the tougher matchup. And then on the flip side, I think this is a game where Josh Allen finally gets right. He's missed some deep shots. Washington's actually been a really bad matchup for running backs. And the Bills had three different rushing scores from their running backs last week. So that's going to regress. And I think Josh Allen bounced back with the, his best game of the season by a wide margin this week. Well, he is favored by eight. The Bills are and Josh Allen is. So that would seem to make sense. At least Vegas is in alignment with you and I am too. Uh, let's talk about a matchup that I am personally excited for. The Justin Fields era is about to take off a week ahead of schedule in terms of my prediction. Andy Dalton obviously out with the ankle slash lower body injury, and it is now the rookie's time to shine at Cleveland. Here's an interesting thing about Fields and what we've all been talking about, that once he got the job, he'd have so much upside for fantasy because of his rushing potential. The Browns have given up a rushing score to a quarterback in back-to-back weeks. That was Mahomes and Tyrod Taylor, obviously, right? So, Dalton, I ask you, because I'm too biased, over or under one and a half rushing touchdowns for Fields? One and a half? 
Yeah. Uh, I have to go. Okay, I'll go under on that. But his, I think his props for rushing yards is like 44 and a half. So, man, oh, they're, they're requi- I mean, they're expecting him to run the ball quite a Smash bit. So I would, I would say under one and a half rushing scores. But, dude, he's probably going to run in one. Only $23 in DFS. I've been stashing him in super flex leagues. I mean, I'm stashing him. I mean, I've been waiting for him, I should say. Um, so I'm excited. Uh, his his a, a dot was all underneath stuff when he replaced uh, Dalton last week. But I mean, hopefully with the week of practice, the 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 playbook will expand a little. It was cool seeing Andy Dalton root so hard for him on the sideline after leaving I the know. injury too. And hope hopefully Fields takes his job and you know never never turns back. So I'm excited along with you to see to see what he does. I mean, no, it's not the greatest first matchup on the road against a a, a decent front seven. Uh, but yeah, let's see what Fields can do. You know, no pressure. I mean, no one's expecting the the, the Bears to win this game. So uh, yeah, if, at, at minimum, I like his his fantasy floor because of those rushing stats. Yeah, you're right. No one is expecting them to win this game. They are seven-point underdogs per bet MGM. But if we are thinking about ways in which they'll have to be playing catch-up, you have to imagine that Fields will try to connect with both Allen Robinson and also Darnell Mooney, who has had at least seven targets in back-to-back games and red zone opportunities in each of those weeks. Um, You know, last week he led all the Bears pass catchers with eight looks. I think a lot of that had to do when you're talking about the like underneath stuff and Fields kind of been thrown into the fire. Matt and I talked about how like this kid hasn't had proper reps. And so now he's got a limited amount of knowledge and experience at his disposal. So some of this should grow. But we also know that Mooney has an incredible deep threat ability. Um, And the Browns secondary has been a vulnerability for more than a minute. Absolutely. I like Mooney. Uh, he's going to catch one of these deep balls one of these days and Fields has a, a, a requisite arm to get it to him. I'm going to throw you an even deeper one than that. This is very, very deep. $11 in DFS. On the other side, another burner, Anthony Schwartz on the Browns. Their rookie there because Odell Beckham is still unsure if he's going to play in this game. And if he does, it's likely limited snaps. Jarvis Landry is out. I know Donovan Peoples-Jones is there as well. But Schwartz, like he made a mistake early on last game and then they kind of, he didn't see the snaps quite the same. But I think that'll get correct. That'll get corrected this week. And talk about TD regression in a positive way. Uh, I said that about Josh Allen, but Baker Mayfield is second in YPA uh, this season with 10.9 and he's watched I know that's going to be a thing all year Cleveland's going to run most of their touchdowns but he only has one touchdown and he's getting the second highest yards per attempt in football that's going to result in more touchdowns through the air moving forward and I think Schwartz is a is a deep flyer this week oh thanks for giving our Friday listeners a little bit of that stat nerd nug I love it Dalton thank you excellent point um about Schwartz and I love, too, that you said how the team kind of moved away from him. If you look at the box score from last week, you were like, hey, where is that guy that everyone was talking about? But he was still present. He just, you know, fell out of favor for a second. Also, I know people keep wanting to force Austin Hooper into the conversation. I myself tried in week one, but, like, Baker is going to spread the ball around, and they're working with numerous tight ends, and Joku obviously part of the mix, too. So I think it's hard for me to continually throw darts at Hooper when there are other tight ends, who we'll talk about a little bit later in the show, that like have more upside and are attached to more prolific offenses, at least from a passing perspective. Do you agree on Hooper? I, I agree, but all those injuries to the receivers could lead to more targets theoretically. But yeah, there, is, there are better, like deeper tight end options with more upside. But I mean, he's okay cause, because the position is so, so dang thin. The Baltimore Ravens are traveling to the Detroit Lions as if the Lions haven't had a bad enough week. And it'll be a short week for them too. Um, so interestingly, the over-under on this is set at 50, and you have to imagine that most of those points are 
supposedly going to be put up by uh, the Ravens. It is worth noting that Lamar left practice on Thursday with a little bit of a stomach bug. So I know we're talking about the Browns, right? And I'm getting an immediate flashback to the Browns-Ravens Thursday night game, the cramps game from the end of last season. Um, But I'm imagining like they'll give him some Imodium or whatever he needs and he'll be fine. He really should like work on a Pepto sponsorship or something, no? He really should. I guess he's also <laughs> sore, Liz, from that flip he did in the end zone. Supposedly right. he's sore from that, too. So he's like a double whammy. I think he's going to be fine. But yeah, it's a it's been an eventful uh, week week for him. <laughs> Lamar Jackson, like, <laughs> he, he's like out there selling Icy Hot and uh, Pepto, like all the other 20-somethings in the world. <laughs> anyway, when I look at this matchup, like, my immediate thought is that Tyson Williams is only $18 in DFS. I love this as a spot. Obviously, we saw Aaron Jones just absolutely crush the Lions. And even with Latavius Murray in the mix and Devonta Freeman seeing a couple of opportunities, Williams has continued to lead the Ravens running backs and snaps and touches for the second week in a row. Um Neither Murray nor Freeman have seen a single target. So I I, I love this play, um, especially if, you know, I don't know, Lamar's feeling a little something, something in the bubble guts. Yeah, I like Williams, too. He's just so clearly their team's best back with all the other veterans uh, pushing past 30 or at least uh, we're on the wrong side of their career arc. Um, But he's missed a couple snaps here and there was some some missed blocks or whatever, but that can be corrected. Um, this matchup definitely points yeah for the for the Ravens playing with the lead. Um, it's just a couple a uh, couple games, but uh, the the Ravens have actually allowed the second most yards per play. It's probably due to playing with the lead and prevent or whatever. But this could be the same thing with Detroit getting the garbage stats that they have uh, mostly against the Niners, and it was actually a better first half last week. Jared Goff, I believe, is now 0-9 without Sean McVay. But fantasy-wise, he's actually getting it done. And, of course, you're rolling with Hawkinson no matter what in, in a DFS option. I mean, he just looks fantastic. And he's my number three fantasy tight end moving forward. I mean, I think it's pretty safe to, to, to prefer him over my guy Kittle uh, at this point. And then De- DeAndre Swift is going to be perpetually banged up, it, feel, it feels like. But very, very productive, and especially in P- full PPR leagues. And even in this matchup, it doesn't look great. Like I said, the Ravens have actually been giving up yardage, dealing with some injuries, coming off this emotional last-minute win, you know, against KC. So I could see Detroit actually putting up some, some empty yards, even if they end up, you know, the scoreboard doesn't look great in the, in the end on the final score. Oh, they're going to be garbage time heroes for fantasy for sure. I think the question is, outside of the two you mentioned, Swift, who will continue to deal with this groin injury, and TJ Hawkinson, who has a red zone target share of over 44%. I love it. That is an insane stat, right? It's which of these other guys do you feel comfortable investing in? And so far, with Tyrell Williams now on IR, officially, like, he's on IR, so he's not expected back until the earliest October 17th, I believe. Quintez Cephas remains second in team targets behind, obviously, Hawkinson. On Monday Night Football, he went four of seven for 63 and a touch, so it doesn't feel great to say I'm putting my garbage time eggs in this basket, but... The data, everything you said from the Ravens' point of view to the stats I've provided from the Lions' point of view lead me to believe that Seafish would be the number two option, or I guess the number three option behind Swift. 
Yeah, but he's the number one receiver. I have a Lions buddy who told me that Cephas is, would definitely be their number one receiver, and I just dismissed it and drafted him nowhere. But man, the people that follow their own teams, sometimes they're the best sources, and he looks like the clear number one guy. I mean, obviously it helps that Williams uh, suffered the injury, but I um, mean, a lot of people like St. Brown who may eventually emerge there, but it's Cephas right now, and he's not the worst flex option, you know, if you if you need one in deeper leagues. I He looks like the clear number one, and this is a team that's not going to be able to run the ball and be playing from behind, and Goff may, it may be another... 45, 50 pass attempts here. The Colts are at the Titans. They will be without, it seeming like without Carson Wentz, which means there are a lot of questions here and a lot of fantasy implications if Jacob Eason is in fact the quarterback. Mine, first and foremost, is what does this mean for Michael Pittman, who I think did an incredible job in week two answering all of the doubters, had an absolute alpha performance. Harmon and I talked about it on the Sunday Night Wrap-Up show You know, he was dealing with an ankle issue. He was dealing with a Jalen Ramsey problem. And he put up eight grabs for 123 yards. You're feeling really good about that. But now we have to deal with another new wrinkle slash obstacle. And that's the quarterback. It's super bad news. I think it could use him as a flex wide receiver three, given the matchup. Just Tennessee's defense is not any good, but it's a problem. Even if Wentz is out there dealing with two sprained ankles, he'll be at far less than 100%. Uh, Eason, yeah, it's certainly not ideal at all, but Pittman has emerged as the, the clear alpha there. So um, again, more of a flex, but if the quarterback yeah. position was was better, I mean, I'd be talking to him like, you know, like a top, you know, 30, top 25 type upside. But yeah, that, this hurts this week with the banged up QB situation. Jonathan Taylor, by the way, leads the league in red zone carries. I believe he has a dozen, zero touchdowns. So eventually he's going to get in there. It was so frustrating watching him repeatedly stuck at the goal line last week. So Taylor's been a frustrating start. But, um, you know, the targets for their week one, I think he's going to be fine. Derrick Henry, uh, on the flip side, he has uh, the most rushing yards, ap- rushing yards after contact this year oh. would, lead all, would lead all of the rushers, rushing yards. His, he leads the league in rushing yards. And then number two is Derrick Henry in yards after contact. And then Joe Mixon's number three. Pretty wild. Derrick Henry is $35 in Yahoo DFS. I mean, I feel like especially with the Titans as five and a half point under as five and a half point favorites, there should be plenty of room for him to run. Um, I, he's worth every penny to me. Like you, this is why you find This is why you roster a quarterback. We're going to talk a, lot, a little bit later so that you can, or you put in uh, Tyson Williams, who's only $18. So you can afford Derrick Henry. Yeah, it's just half. Well, I was going to say it's half point uh, PPR and Yahoo helps, but he's been getting targets even. Yes. Last week on this very podcast, I told you I'm ranking Chris Carson ahead of Derrick Henry. Carson had two touchdowns, totally fine. Derrick Henry's like shut down at halftime with behind. The game script looks bad. I'm patting myself on the back, feeling good. Dude goes three touchdowns, erupts. Uh, <laughs> he goes crazy the second half, has the most targets in any game of his career as well. Yeah. So couldn't have been more wrong. I mean, was the number one running back last week, just punished me on the, the rankings. And uh, yeah, that didn't work out well. Um, Carson's still getting his, but man, Derrick Henry's just a beast. And the fact that he had 800 carries the last two years, it was just, it does not look like a concern. He only had 1,100 on his career. It's not like he was a uh, Zeke where he was 1,500 plus. Henry, if he starts getting the targets like that, I mean, wow, look out. He looks like uh, it looks like he could have, you know, the, be the number two fantasy player right now behind CMC. Oof. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, wow. That one's getting me excited. And don't worry. You weren't the other. You weren't the only person that Henry beat up. He steamrolled his way to those points. And I love the point about like the fact I just I want to reiterate this. And again, this is something Matt and I touched on Sunday night. But just because a player hasn't done something doesn't mean they can't do it. 
And when there's a regime change, there's perhaps a new opportunity for them to evolve their skill set, especially when they're really, really good at the other stuff that they do. You know, like generally evolution moves into a progressively forward state, right? Like flaming the edges of one's potential. And Derrick Henry proved that he is not just um, one note in week two. Let's talk about the Chargers at the Chiefs. This is a fun game. Here's a little fun fact, an NFL fun fact, but the this is the first time since week 16 of the 2016 season that the Chiefs have not owned a share of first place in the AFC West. Wow, and the only two teams in the uh, in AFC that are undefeated are the Raiders and Broncos. How wild is that? Yeah, upside down. Mm-hmm. Upside down. So lots of points available in this game, which means you want to particularly for daily get as many pieces as you can into your lineups 55 is the over under um we can start i mean like again i just feel like you want to take as many people as you can uh mike williams is a great value at 18 dollars. he's gone for over 80 yards and scored in back-to-back weeks jared cook is someone that i was high on in my sleepers article last week I got the process, right? Dalton, you taught me about this phrase, getting the process. He had a touchdown. It was called back because of an illegal shift penalty, but the process was there. The rationale was basically he's third in team targets, and I want someone who's attached to that kind of volume in this kind of offense and in a matchup that figures to be high scoring, even if it wasn't last week. But again, there should be a lot of points in this one. So Jared Cook only rostered in 46% of leagues, $16 in Yahoo DFS, like don't throw your Austin Hooper at me when Jarrett Cook is available. Um, so that's another player that I want a piece of. Who are you loving on the Chargers? And let's talk about the Chiefs after that. Okay, I love Mike Williams. I mean, his role has just changed. This They talked about the X position in, in Lombardi's offense, like Michael Thomas, and that's he's taken it. It's not always, uh, I do talk a lot about air yards, and I will here in a second with Hardman. <laughs> but um, but the lower A dot has really helped DJ Moore, and it's really helped Mike Williams this season. I mean, because the targets are just, they're just high, the higher probability of, you know, getting ca- secured. And uh, man, with Justin Herbert, superstar throwing to him, still only $18, uh, that salary. I'm, I'm, yeah, Mike Williams is in my DFS lineup this week for sure. And the Chargers by the way, have punted one time this season, once, and they're nearly 0-2. They lost last week without punting. So they, they're just beginning some weird penalties, some weird stuff in the red zone. More touchdowns will come there. Um, the coaching, again, uh, may have to be despite its coaching with Herbert, but still, he's so, so good. And Mike Williams is, uh, you know, a former top 10 pick, I believe playing for a big contract is in his fifth year in the league. And he looks like, a, to me, he looks like a top 15 fantasy wide up moving forward right there with... He looks like Keenan Allen, only a better red zone target. So, like, I know that the health situation there, Keenan Allen's safer, but to me, they're 1A and, you know, 1 and 1A right there. All right. Um, on the Chiefs, I'm interested. We all know about, like, Tyreek Hill. The Ravens were able to take away Tyreek Hill, and so they got smashed in the mouth by Travis Kelsey. It's impossible to stop the Chiefs. Again, the Ravens did an incredible job. That's what made Sunday night so fantastic to watch. But this one, that one kind of came down to defense, right? And OA knocking, punching the ball out of Clyde Edward Hilaire's hands in the last moments, causing a fumble. You know, I feel like the fantasy reaction is like, oh, well, CEH is going to have a reduced role. But also Andy Reid is the coach. And if I remember correctly, Kareem Hunt fumbled his first rookie outing in primetime and like Reid went back to him. And it is also worth noting that both of the guys behind CEH Uh, Williams and McKinnon in back-to-back weeks had the exact same number of snaps, 14 for Williams and four for McKinnon. That, I would be shocked if 
CEH doesn't continue to hold on to the backfield in a major way. Like, does he have a lot of goal line carries? No, he has zero on the season, but that doesn't mean that he can't be involved. I think that everyone is so off of him, and I get it, but he's only $16 in Yahoo DFS. I would love to flex him. I think he's going to bounce back in this one, especially, again, with the number of points available. CEH has been the center of many fantasy managers' frustration this week. And it's understandable, not only, you know, the injury in the preseason and the fumble, but he also lost a, a goal, a rush score last week as well. But man, his this is the time to, to, to buy. I'm with you here. $16 is salary. This is, we'll, we'll mark week five from that ankle injury. And they called it a three to five week injury. Maybe he maybe he's getting healthier. And I kind of like the... The, the buying him after the fumble and he feels down and hopefully Andy Reid goes right back to him. You know, I mean, this is the guy they spent a first round pick on and there's no one, you know, superior behind him. It's clear that they made a mistake drafting him over Jonathan Taylor and DeAndre Swift. I mean, without a question here, he's not like a special player that, that Patrick Mahomes must have thought he was when he reportedly pounded the table for him. And he also doesn't well, have Joe the upside. Joe Burrow, of by pa- the way, like let's not get too down on Patrick Mahomes because Joe Burrow said the exact, Joe Burrow said that of everybody he played with, remember he played at two pretty big colleges, that his the most talented player he ever had was Clyde Edwards. Wow, so like see. that's a yeah. peer of Mahomes's as well. So I'm not entirely convinced. I asked Austin in on Eckler's Edge, by the way. Like I was like, Austin, what's the deal with CEH? And he knows hmm. Clyde and says that some some players like just need to get into a rhythm, and he's just ha- he's just finding his rhythm. Yeah, and 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 one other thing I'll say that hurts him a little bit too is that in the past Andy Reid offenses when he was uh, yearly producing top five backs, the targets aren't going to quite be there because Patrick Mahomes is more interested in throwing touchdowns down the field. But man, this back is getting the vast majority of the snaps on the best offense in football. I mean, they're once again have the highest implied team total this week, even against a solid defense. So uh, he got three three catches week one. Ceh for sixteen dollars. I, I yeah, I'm with you here. He's going to bounce back. Tyree Kill in a week with um, Dalvin Cook. On uncertain I think he's going to play you mentioned Derrick Henry otherwise there's not a ton of running backs as a foundational piece for DFS I like spending up for Tyreek Hill coming off the down game you know I think it's going to be his turn I expect a big game from Tyreek Hill and then if not you want to go cheap uh, Mark uh, Mecole Hardman $11 he had twice as many air yards as Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey combined last week and he's out there running like the clear number two I know he frustrates but if you want a flyer for a for a tournament or if you're in a deeper fantasy league Hardman yeah, I know he's been very, very frustrating, but if you if you squint your eyes, there's some encouraging stuff going on there. Oh, I love all of that analysis. Let's talk about Jameis coming back down to earth, but then having to travel to the center of at least one person's universe, Bill Belichick's at New England. Uh, I, I mean, I, honestly, like, to me, this is not a particularly exciting matchup, which is surprising, right? Like, I'm really just wanting to see what the Jameis coaster looks like. If we see more more Hill, frankly, on packages because Peyton is getting frustrated and after he concocted a masterpiece in week one, he has to kind of, like, work overtime now to do it again against another a creative genius, another football genius. So... To me, this is like a, a wait and see. I'm not really outside of Alvin Kamara, who will be, frankly, the Patriots' first real test so far this season. They've only had Miami's backfield and the Jets' backfield. So it'll be interesting to see how they handle and attempt to. We know Belichick wants to like take away the team's number one. He did it with Corey Davis last week. That would be Alvin Kamara. Let's see if they can. Oh, you just thought Marquez Callaway is not going to concentrate on man. Girl. What do you do with him? You draw, you dropping him or what? Uh, I don't. I have, <laughs> the problem nightmare. with Callaway is that like I don't know. I'm I'm 
I don't know enough. Like, I feel like the data that we have, like we had one extreme in week one, we had the other extreme in week two, and I'm kind of waiting for everything to settle so that I can have a reasonable opinion moving forward. Yeah, you're not even joking to Winston. I mean, the roller coaster best EPA per play in week one to the worst EPA per play among quarterbacks. I mean, it really is truly an up and down with him. Um, yeah, I don't know what to make of the Saints team. Very, very odd. Uh, obviously not a great matchup here. I will say that James White is kind of a sleeper for me. And Yahoo DFS is not as great being half PPR, but just $14. He's been a top 10 fantasy back in PPR. And this Saints team just shuts down uh, opposing run- their yards per carry is, might lead the league. And that actually helps James White because I don't think they'll be able to... Damien Harris is a banged up finger. I don't think they're going to be able to run it all. And all Mac Jones is underneath stuff. So I could see like a double digit type catch game from James White this week. Oh, I like that. I like that a lot, actually. Yeah, I have Harris. I still have Harris. I like that you mentioned the finger and the matchup. I still have him, like, as the RB20, like, right there, sure. uh, just because of volume. But it is a, he is a player who, like, I have, and I know you do, Harris, in a lot of leagues. So, like, now I'm trying to find a higher upside flex to balance out the floor that I think he'll likely give me. No, I'm with you there. The work, work in, is, workload's still there. I have my 21st back this week. Uh, what a run last week, a little Marshawn Lynch light. That was, that was really nice. Ooh. How about the Falcons at the Giants? Look, there's so much ugliness, but that can also make for fantasy gorgeousness. I think I want to start with the Giants because <laughs> don't look now. Daniel Jones has the third most rushing yards of any quarterback behind Lamar and Jalen Hurts. Like, that means more than Josh Allen, more than Kyler Murray. He's the QB5 overall in fantasy, which I definitely did not have on my 2021 bingo card. And now he is facing the Falcons, a team that's allowed the most fantasy points to opposing quarterbacks. Admittedly, like Brady's week two beatdown inflated those numbers a little bit, but it's still worth noting that this defense has yet to record a single interception. Jones, only $25 in Yahoo DFS. That's how you buy Derrick Henry. You know, Falcons actually allowed the second fewest rushing yards to running backs last year. They're sneakily like a pass funnel defense. It makes sense, the stats you just threw at me. Okay, I apologize for calling him Daniel Dogecoin throughout my articles in the the preseason (laughs) because Daniel Daniel Jones is a baller. And I I did get him in a couple (laughs) super flex leagues and I I am buying, man. He had four 25-plus point uh, fantasy games as a rookie. And last year, he suffered this hamstring injury that the GM claimed most players would not have played through. And maybe he was not full of BS there and something was to that because he looks a lot better. He can run. Um, yeah, I mean, the fantasy, the floors are obviously, you know, and maybe not real life, the best quarterback. Um, and Galladay you know, suddenly hurt again. But with his rushing floor, uh, I like I like him, man. And Daniel Jones is a fantasy QB. I think, honestly, he could be a top 15 option from here on out. Well, I don't know if it's going to stay like this. I mean, obviously, I do think it will stay this like this through the Atlanta matchup, but I think as, yeah, that's it. Like as Saquon continues to round into form, Jones will be rushing less and eventually will hit a perfect, actually, for the first day of fall, will hit an equinox where uh, things are balanced out more equally. And so I actually, I asked, uh, we had Sterling Shepard on Eckler's Edge and we should talk about Sterling Shepard too, actually, because you mentioned, I, well, first I asked Sterling Shepard about Jones's running and he was like, oh yeah, like I've raced him. Like I, 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 he has, he's, if you watch his tape at Duke, which was a good reminder, I think he had something like 
1,600 rushing yards, 1,300 rushing yards at his career at Duke. So this has always been part of his game, but you mentioned his injury. We shouldn't be that surprised that if Saquon is down, Jones will be up, and Sterling certainly uh, confirmed that. I also asked Shepard, though, I was like, yo, 16 receptions over two weeks. That's tied for the league lead. And, you know, he just, like, shrugged it off and said, that's how I do. But I also have to imagine that he doesn't mind. He said this was his best camp. He said that this summer was absolutely his best camp. Obviously, Coach Judge loves the conditioning. um, But he's been having a renaissance in the slot. And with Kenny Galladay, whose hip issue was never fixed. I wrote about it in Russ versus Russ. But, like, He has a labrum tear. It may not be reported. That is absolutely what's going on. It's never been fixed. It's not going to be fixed. I feel like Kenny G can be droppable in leagues, frankly, at this point. Yeah, man, it's a problem. It's the same hip. And Sterling Shepard's the clear guy there. He's he's got 19 fantasy points per game without Golden Tate over the last three seasons. And uh, I mean, he's been secretly productive. When given the opportunity, I mean, he's a, a, a quietly a target share hog, and now he's even better than ever. All that offseason hype looks like the real deal. So with Hall- with Galladay banged up, um, yeah, I mean, I'm I actually have Shepard ranked as uh, my 25th receiver this week. Uh, I like the Great. matchup and in, in this setup, so I'm, I'm I'm buying into him and Kenny G. I, I wouldn't push back as far as if dropping him if if sure if you have short benches and, and this this absolutely could be a lingering problem all year, man. It's 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 not encouraging to see. Anything on the Falcons side of things worth noting, Russell Russell Gage will likely be out. I don't think that makes a huge fantasy dent, but it could mean more for Kyle Pitts, who, you know, I'm expecting, I will predict, I don't think this is a bold prediction, so I didn't write in our bold predictions, but I think he scores his first NFL touchdown in week three. The Giants have given up scores to tight ends in consecutive weeks. I believe it was, no, no, Albert O, and then... um, Logan Thomas. Is that right? No, it was Ricky Seals-Jones. It was Ricky Seals-Jones, Albert O and Ricky Seals-Jones. Pitts is running encouraging routes. I could certainly see it. Russell Gage is banged up. They can't run the ball. Although I will say, go ahead and add Cordero Patterson in deeper leagues. I mean, he's got that running back eligibility in Yahoo. You can play that from the the wide receiver spot if he gets 10. I mean, that could be nice if he gets a a half dozen targets and carries a game. In deeper leagues, uh, Matt Ryan's average depth of target with Arthur Smith for some reason has dropped to five yards this season after routinely being near nine for the past uh, you know half decade. So it's a small sample, but it's not encouraging if you spend an early second round pick on Calvin Ridley. Like I, I would have been all fine, you know, fine with uh, loved him without Julio Jones, but hopefully Arthur Smith's learning you know to become a head coach, you know, with more responsibilities and whatnot, and he'll uh, he'll counter that. But it has not been great for the Ridley Pitts. And even if you're Mike Davis, you're frustrated, too, if you have him. So, yeah, it's not been great so far with Atlanta. And now they have to go outdoors. But um, hopefully it gets better from here on out. The Bengals are at Steel City on Sunday. Bunch of injuries for both of these teams. Let's start with the Cincy side of things. Um, T. Higgins is dealing with a shoulder injury. He did not practice on Wednesday and Thursday. Uh, We've seen him. We saw him in week one be carted and come back, right? So we know he has the potential to play hurt, but... Even if he's out there, he could be used as a decoy. He could be dinged. I think that just means more for Jamar Chase. What about your boy, Tyler Boyd? 
Yeah, I don't have a ton to say about this other than wait and see on Higgins, how he's doing health-wise. Same with Deontay Johnson. I mean, he he posted a cryptic message on Instagram of talking about the comeback is going to be epic. So I don't know if he meant just one week later or he's actually suffered an injury that's going to take him a while to come back from. Um, Najee Harris is uh, $19 yes. in Yahoo DFS. He keeps being very tempting salary there. But yeah, you got to wait and see at these wide receiver injuries along with Big Ben, who has a pec injury. I guess this is non-throwing uh, arm, but also complaining about Matt, Matt Canada, the new OC. It took him a whole two games to be complaining <laughs> about the offensive coordinator and complaining about an injury. So we're, we're already experiencing the whole Ben Roethlisberger uh, experience. experience. Right, which also means that the injury is going to like, he's going to come back as a superhero, right? He's going to play hurt. Like that's always what he does, especially at home and have like this giant outing. But who is he going to have this outing? Who's going to benefit the most from this outing? I agree with you, Najee Harris. Like, although the Bengals defense has uh, performed well over expectation, I still think this is gettable for Harris. And I just want to like pin Pat Fryermuth. I know that the rookie tight end that everyone is rightfully so discussing is Kyle Pitts. And we all know the adage about tight ends not being able to, you know, turn over in their first season in the NFL. I think Fryermuth is very, very interesting. He's out of Penn State. He converted all five of his looks so far this season. He seems to have leapfrogged Eric Ebron on the team's depth chart. He's more involved in the passing game than Ebron. He's logging more snaps. Uh, he's running more routes. We like to see all of those things. And if Big Ben is dealing with a chest issue and needing to get the ball out quick, which we're seeing him do, and he needs like a nice big body, I feel like Fryermuth could be one of those rising stars. And I like I like the matchup against Cincinnati as well. Like the Fryermuth call, he's going to be a red zone beast for sure. Um, and then quickly, Jamar Chase just looks so, so good uh, yeah. coming back from those drops in the preseason. And if Higgins were to miss time, I mean, yeah, sure, it'll help Boyd in the PPR underneath. But Chase is the guy with the upside downfield. And the further removed from injury Burrow gets and Chase, remember, he didn't even play college football last year. I mean, those two could turn into uh, quite the formidable duo if, if Higgins can, starts being injury prone, especially. Kyler Murray is making his run at MVP. I know it's only week three and we don't want to get too excited, but my goodness, when he has to travel to Jacksonville in week three, you have to imagine that there's going to be even more highlight, highlight-worthy plays available for his MVP reel. Oh, he looks amazing. Uh, pick up Rondell Moore. Um, yeah, Kyler Murray. <laughs> Unfortunately, as a Niner fan, Kyler Murray does look like the real deal. Not just a fantasy asset with his legs, the YPA. He just looks so improved. And, and clearly the second half last year had to do with that. With that shoulder injury, both these teams among the league leader in fast pace this season. All of Urban Meyer's fault, at least his neutral fast pace, has been through the roof. Um, I guess that's nice to uh, to see multiple plays of Trevor Lawrence uh, being inaccurate. Man, what's up with him so far? Uh, the nerd stats suggest he's been the least accurate QB in the league. But um, this this game, I think they'll be able to keep it close because everyone you know is pretty much riding off Jacksonville as the the worst, and, and Arizona looks like world beaters right now. So that's about the time when there will be suddenly a close game. Well, Arizona is, I believe, our highest-priced defense in DFS at $20. They're still available in 53% of Yahoo leagues, though, if someone wants to go after them. I also feel like for everybody who was like, nah, I'm going to pass on Chase Edmonds and take the value on James Conner because I want to be attached to this offense but at a lower ADP, well, they've been disappointed over the first pair of weeks of the season, but maybe he's only been started, in fact, in 10% of Yahoo leagues, but maybe this is the week that James Conner get some glow a little bit. I mean, the, this is supposed to be a blowout, right? Vegas has 
the Cardinals as seven and a half point favorites. So that could mean, I know that you don't always want to mess with game script, but there should be plenty of clock eating here for Connor in the second, uh, in the final quarter, second half, maybe. So, you know, if you're one of those managers who's had to deal with Shanahanigans or the injury imp, I feel like Connor could be like a flex and pray option, top 40 kind of guy. Uh, Zona has the sixth best DVOA through two games with J.J. Watt out of Chandler Jones. I mean, it could, yeah, the game script could easily go as it has planned and Jacksonville be overwhelmed and look really bad and Urban Meyer already talking about leaving. And that would be nice for, yeah, James Conner for sure. My guy Marvin Jones on the Jacksonville side of things, because all we've done is really like bash them, uh, is getting things done. He's doing wide receiver one things. Uh, he has over two weeks, 11 catches, 132 yards and two touchdowns. He's only $17 in Yahoo DFS. I think there's going to be, as you mentioned, so much passing volume. And even though Lawrence has been woefully inaccurate, he and Jones seem to have a very good connection. He should continue to be peppered. Oh, yeah, I threw him in my, I think my official uh, for the column Yahoo DFS lineup was Marvin Jones for that, for that, for that salary because he's the clear number one guy there. There should be a lot of plays in this game. The team can't really run the ball, so I'm with you with Marvin. I got good news and bad news for Zach Wilson. The bad news is that he's been, which I'm sure he's aware of, sacked 10 times since the start of the season. The good news is while he will be traveling to Denver in week three, Bradley Chubb won't be on the field. Yeah, neither will his left tackle, Makai Becton, either. This is Denver's <laughs> first home game. It's not a greasy place to play there, although I guess they are maybe undefeated and they'll take them lightly. I mean, that's because uh, the Jets are coming off, you know, an F-minus performance from the quarterback position. It was uh, it was bad. It's like third percentile in EPA. It was, uh, it, was one, it was epic. It was historical. I mean, it was... I know he has not the greatest infrastructure around here in the Jets, but, man, he was, he was making some wild throws downfield, uh, even when not pressured. What are your thoughts on Wilson? I mean, I I think that he's obviously hurting and the space that he was allowed at BYU just isn't NFL, like that's not the reality in the NFL, especially if you're missing the guy who protects your blind side, you know? So uh, it's going to be problematic, I think, in terms of this matchup. Obviously, Teddy Bridgewater has been a revelation. He's passed for nearly 600 yards, four touchdowns, just one interception. Um, And I know a lot of people are starting to ride it. It was great to see Cortland Sutton have a bounce back game in week two, but Denver is favored by 10 and a half. And so I think in this game, they're just going to have the opportunity to turn to their backfield, which has been absolutely strong. A complete timeshare, by the way. Gordon has managed to rip yeah. off a longer run uh, over the, in each of the last two weeks. But even our DFS moneymakers here, our, our, our salary setters, have both Williams and Gordon at $20 a piece. Um, and I just don't think that the Jets are going to have the firepower to fight back. Like, the rookie is struggling Jamison Crowder, who's been a safety valve for the bulk of his career, didn't practice on Thursday. He's dealing with a groin injury. Elijah Moore, yes, leads this right receiving core in snaps, but like he's a rookie. He's not leading in targets. It's been Braxton Berrios, who has 18 targets and 12 catches working out of out of the slot with a rate of over 67%. That's been the go-to guy. That's been the most efficient guy. When your team, when your team's biggest producer is Braxton Berrios, you screwed. 
Barrios weirdly had this high target percentage when he played uh, limitedly last year, too. Elijah Moore's disappeared. Corey Davis coming off a stinker. It's frustrating. Um, yeah, it is. Uh, on the other side, though, Sutton, I did the, in my fearless forecast, I did the wide receivers this week, and I said exactly what you said is that the biggest concern with Sutton this week is game script. I mean, the game, my volume may not be there if they're playing with the lead the whole game, but boy, it was encouraging last week. He went from, is his knee okay, to Judy's down, his knee's okay, and he's the clear number one in Denver and he's a top 15-ish, whatever, top 20-ish uh, fantasy whiteout while Judy is sidelined. But I agree with you, this game may, may turn into them just being able to, to run the ball a lot. But a Gordon and Williams, flat out even a committee there. Frustrating it for those who you know went after the rookie, obviously, multiple rounds ahead of where Gordon went. The Dolphins, if we're talking about really bad losses, are coming off of an absolutely gutting one. They got shut out. And they're going to the Raiders, who have been like the surprise Cinderella squad of the NFL, just completely annihilating the haters heading that were, you know, yapping over the summer and into the fall. They're going to be doing it, unfortunately, without Tua, who's dealing with this rib injury. So it's it's Jacoby Brissett behind this offensive line that can't find any cohesion and a defense that has been surging. Yeah, it's it's not ideal losing poor Tua, man. The injury is very frustrating. All the receivers and Will Fuller returning too. So it's just going to be a crowded situation with Brissett throwing to him. So I, yeah, you can't get too encouraged about any of the pass catchers there. Derek Carr did not see him leading the league in air yards, uh, throwing it down, chucking it downfield. Uh, it's, uh, it's 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 been fun to see actually. Um, and then the, obviously the status of Josh Jacobs uh, is going to be a seemingly a, a weekly event. I yes, I'm glad you brought that up because. I do appreciate, I appreciate a man who is honest. And while Gruden, Gruden, I appreciate that he was like, no, you know, Kenyon Drake's fine. I I really like this Peyton Barber. Um, And that's who ended up like leading the backfield, at least in totes. Um, And I think, you know, if we're talking about game script and we're talking about the fact that the Vegas DST is only $16 and they're four point favorites, there could be more opportunity for Peyton Barber to Just eat out the clock and get some volume. He's not going to be hyper-efficient, but I do think he could, like, carry the ball. I have a fearless – I wasn't even asked to do fearless forecasts, but I was, like, thinking about what I – because, it's you know, you you have to ask for sleepers. And I'm like, well, let me contextualize this for the people. I can't just say – like, I can't just say this guy and then not give some sort of rank to go along with him. But I think that Barber could probably carry the ball 13 times for 57 yards and a touchdown – which isn't sexy, but like, I don't know, at that position, I'm not hating it. That's assuming, obviously, Jacobs isn't isn't active. Right, right. No, it, it's sadly, but that is absolutely, he is a flex option. You're right. And the people who were stashing Drake, just, yeah, it's crazy with losing Jacobs and it not affecting his status at all. But I do appreciate Gruden letting everyone know beforehand. I'm with you there. Um, so part of me wants to say the Dolphins will come with a better game plan. I love their coaching and it'll get it, they'll just somehow get it done. But I could counter and say their offensive line has allowed like a bottom three pressure rate and the Raiders have surprisingly uh, forced a top three pressure rate. So there could be a lot of sacks and problems here there for the Dolphins, especially if they're fall behind and have Brissett needing to pass the second half. Yeah, that might not be ideal. Maybe Brian Edwards actually gets a touchdown this week too. Right, two called back. Review, yeah. <laughs> it's got to happen. Third time's the charm. 
Let's go on to the Bucks at the Rams. This should be a fun game. The Bucks are just one point favorite, so a lot of back and forth anticipated. JPP is likely out. Antonio Brown's on the COVID list, so we don't know the protocols. I believe he was vaccinated, so we'll have to see the tur- what the turnaround looks like. But let's assume he's out. That would mean that Chris Godwin is an incredible value in DFS at $22. You know that Tom is like, this offense is going to be so prolific that you don't know who's going to get it every week. But if one of them is removed, then then everybody should be able to eat, you know, or it betters everyone's chances. You know, this game outdoors looks like two of the better defenses in football. And you look at it over under and you see 55 points and you, and you maybe take a double take, but it actually makes sense. The Rams defense is not quite as good as it was last year, losing Brandon Staley, a couple players. They're actually the last team to force a three and out this season, the Rams defense. And Tampa Bay has this crazy pass funnel defense where just it, it presents a lot of plays because you can't run against them. And especially with the banged up Daryl Henderson with rib cartilage damage, I think they're just going to throw the ball a ton, fire up Stafford, fire up Robert Woods, the routes became far more encouraging week two. Obviously, Cup, um, he looks like a whatever top five option this week. But Higby, even though he disappointed in the box score last week, he was running the routes. And I think, again, it's going to have to be a lot of passing in this game from the Rams. And then on the other side, same thing. They can't run the ball with their running backs. And if Brown's out, oh, Mike Evans and especially Chris Godwin, if they need to get the ball out quicker. So I think this is going to be fire up all the pass catchers in this game. agree with that analysis. Sony Michelle is only $16 in our Yahoo DFS game. He did carry the ball 10 times for 46 yards in relief of Henderson. I don't imagine that Henderson, I mean, he's still a question mark, but it would shock me if he took the field, especially against that front with what is known to be one of the most painful injuries you can have. And it feels like, well, I guess you could say the same for any injury, but it feels like one of those, you could just take one hit in game and then he's out for the rest of the game. You know, I mean, it's very, very painful with, with ribs and cartilage. Yeah. I, yeah, I would, I wouldn't feel confident using him, but I mean, obviously there's only so many running backs with his upside too, but, um, and it's, it's such a tough matchup. If I actually had Henderson, I just hope maybe they just rest him a week, you know, and hopefully get right. But, um, yeah, it certainly wouldn't be great playing him banged up against such a tough, tough run D. So let's assume that Daryl Henderson is out, which would mean Sony Michelle would have the bulk of the carries, right? Who would you rather start, Sony Michelle, given the analysis that we're expecting a lot of passing, or James Conner, who we think might have game script flow his way? I would go Sony Michelle without Henderson, just because the Rams' offense. If he was, he would be looking at 15 carries, no matter the game flow, or even if it's just a dozen. It's high value in the Rams. I would, I would lean Michelle there. Attach but, I mean, yourself. I can see it. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. I I was just curious because they're both like high-powered offenses with field stretchers that you wouldn't mind attaching your backfield to. And Michelle did look much more spry than I remember him being at the end of that. I went back and watched that Rams game, and I was like, oh, he's like got a little more pep in his step than I remembered him, you know, more recently in New England. Let's talk about Seattle at Minnesota. Oh, Seattle coming in both these teams, coming off of crushing – losses, Ugh, just horrible. The kickers, by the way, like kickers losses in this one that, that kind of sealed their fate or kickers sealed the fate of both of the losses for both of these teams in week two. Dalvin Cook, I'm surprised, is $37 in our DFS game, but he's like not 100%. He was kind of in and out of the game last week. I'm a little bit nervous. I don't want to spend that much for a running back that doesn't feel like at least health-wise a sure thing. Yeah, it's just because now Seattle's allowed the most fantasy points to running backs this year after Henry yeah. went crazy. But you're right. I mean, yeah, Cook, uh, an ankle injury. Um, 
yeah, that's definitely a tough one to rely on him at that price. Uh, I think it was, again, a game just like uh, the Rams-Bucks. I'm firing up my pass catchers here. DK Metcalf's turn, it feels like, after it's been Lockett's show the first two weeks. I really like him in DFS. And uh, yeah, Kirk Cousins, that schedule, man, he just remains underrated for for fantasy, especially with Cook banged up. And obviously, Alexander Madison would become a must-start if Cook is Mm -hmm. inactive. Yeah, I also think, you know, there's been a lot of talk about K.J. Osborne, who player profiler, interestingly enough, comps to B.C. Johnson, which is perfect. So without Herb Smith, there was a lot of question about, like, well, who will be the number three in this offense? And a lot of the knee-jerk fantasy reaction was like, well, it doesn't matter because the defense is going to be better and they're going to lean on the run. Mike Zimmer, not enough volume, etc. And maybe that's going to be true in matchups that that aren't, necessarily as high flying but again this is another one the over under on this is 55 and a half there are definitely enough points available for kj osborne who's only 13 dollars in dfs to be fantasy worthy you know he's he's so far like forget all of the targets and everything for a second he's recorded 68 yards after the catch which is wide receiver nine and he has a true catch rate of a hundred percent which is wide receiver 10. He was known at Miami as being like a really good slot receiver, great in space, has awesome hands, which you're seeing reflected in those stats, right? Like after the catch and being able to convert on all of his targets. So I think that in a spot start, like I I really like Osborne. I wrote him up in my sleepers piece. I think he is like this week's, like week one, it was Marvin Jones. Last week, it was Tim Patrick. This week, it's going to be KJ Osborne. I like it. 15 targets should be a shootout indoors uh, without Irv Smith. That, that They typically hadn't thrown to their number three receiver last year, but they don't really have a tight end this year. So, uh, yeah, Osborne's looked great, too. Passes the eye test. So, um, an, a, another nice deep flyer. All the pass catchers, Dalton and I agree. Aaron Rodgers is traveling to your home city and his kind of home city of San Francisco. Let's start with the Shanahanigans. I'm obviously referring, we could talk about the wide receiving core, actually, because there's Shanahanigans all over the field. But let's talk about the backfield. Um, Hasty is going to be out for some time. You've got Mitchell dealing with a shoulder issue. Trey Sermon was concussed on the first carry of his professional career, was in the protocol. But now it looks like Sermon is, quote, on a good path to start Sunday night. Yeah, this is a tough one because it's Sunday night, as you said. So we may not know until it's uh, too, yeah, I have to make that decision earlier in the day. But Elijah Mitchell continues to mispractice with, they said it was a little bit worse than a stinger. He still has a chance to play, quote unquote. And then Sermon definitely looks like the most likely. He's even seen increased uh, special team snaps throughout practice. So, I I mean, it would take a leap of faith. But Sermon, uh, we've seen what the Niners did against the Packers in the NFC Championship game not too long ago. Went, Went crazy running the ball. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's obviously a very, uh, tricky, uh, situation with the Niners backfield looking like, uh, just a, a, an injury mess right now. And then Ayuk is another one. It's obviously safest on fantasy benches, although his routes did increase last week. And Jimmy G came out and said that it's just going to be, you know, weekly, it's going to be his turn this week. Like it's just happened to been Debo is the first two. We'll see if that's true, but yeah, it's a, it's a, tough situation for fantasy terms as far as the 49ers and Trey Lance looks nowhere near to see in the field either. Yeah, I also think that Trey Lance is not going to see the field as long as the 49ers are like like signing XFL stars, right? Because the veteran presence that Jimmy Garoppolo brings in terms of teaching these guys who are literally off the street or even rookies assignments is, I think, 
Shanahan's goal, number one, is to win, right? And so Garoppolo just has the experience to communicate to these guys in a way that is more effective than Lance, who will obviously be feeling overwhelmed in his first starts and maybe not able to give directions the way that, like, a signal caller, like, we don't talk about that, but the quarterback's job is to kind of say, like, you go here, you take that guy. And, like, I don't know if Lance would be able to command that sort of direction with guys who aren't, as versed at their positions in the backfield. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. What uh, what do you see on the other side here? Um, Aaron Jones coming off the monster game. And I feel like Devontae Adams is going to have a big game. Uh, Jason Verrett out, you know, the Niners deal, relying on Josh Boston Norman. Yeah. yeah, I feel like Devontae Adams could have, a, could have a nice game Sunday night. I think he's due. I think that's a I think that's a really good call. I was surprised we didn't see more out of AJ Dillon that they continued to run Aaron Jones, frankly, in that one. So we'll see what the snap count looks like coming off of such a big outing. And you know that LaFleur like is definitely not a one guy all the time. Like when they were both healthy, both Jamal Williams and Aaron Jones like had similar snap shares, like a 40-60 snap share. So I'm just gonna keep an eye. Personally, we know who we're playing in Green Bay. Like, yes, I agree with you. We're playing Adams. We're definitely playing Jones. Bobby Tunyon will probably score a touchdown because that's what he does. Or even if he, like, this is what we're playing Tunyon for. um, And Aaron Rodgers is apparently still Aaron Rodgers. So I think most of the, in terms of the Packers, the thing that I am tracking is Dylan's snap count and how involved he is or is not. The 49ers are what, like, lead me to the biggest question mark and, I really did not expect that Sermon would be able to clear the concussion protocol so quickly, and he may not be, right? But, like, I still have Mitchell prioritized well ahead of Sermon. I have him, like, RB25, but don't feel great. Yeah, keep following the situation, and it's just going to come down to who plays. But Sermon, I have a feeling he could be, you know, the guy, but it's just definitely a feeling. I'm going to be going to this game, looking forward to it. I guess LaFleur and Shanahan, maybe sure. there's a little bit more something to that mm. beef as far as calling about Aaron Rodgers, and there was some reported phone call. Uh, I don't know, but it's interesting there, so uh, we'll see. But they're playing nice. Uh, it should be a good game Sunday night, a lot of points on the board, hopefully. But, yeah, the running back situation is such a mess, and I just don't know if it'll become – hopefully it becomes clear one way or the other by Sunday, you know? Um, so, so uh, yeah, but it's it's just such a mess seeing all the players leave injured there and guys like Jock Patrick and Trenton Cannon, uh, even uh, stash Jeff Wilson, by the way, in, in, oh, if you're point. in deeper fantasy league and if you have IR spot because he started running and he'll eventually return. And the Niners, you know, they do, they've been, their offensive line has looked good. So it's been all underneath stuff. But uh, if anyone ever does emerge as a running back there, there will have some significant fantasy value. You also, I love that you mentioned Jeff Wilson because I was thinking about this in the shower in the other day, and I know we're, we're going to wrap up the show in a minute, but like Kyle Shanahan has such a type and they're all predicated upon his zone scheme, his cut and go, like players that excel in space that are up-tempo. It all makes sense. But also there's no, without Jeff Wilson at least, there's no power element to this backfield. And that's fine, I suppose. You can prioritize your scheme ahead of everybody else and think that the running back is a plug-and-play plug and play position. But when you only have these more easily injured running backs and you don't have, like, a north-south grinder, then your balance is, like, all out of whack and you're dealing with this weird roulette wheel and, you know, calling up Duke Johnson and Lamar Miller and TJ Yeldon to come audition for your squad in week three. 
Yeah, I know it's weird. Trey Sermon's slower than the usual. Like Elijah Mitchell looks like Mostert, the fast guy, sure. but maybe Sermon can can be the power. I don't know if he was talked into by his running backs coach to trade up for Sermon, but it's weird that he you know was in the team's doghouse. But he looked good on that one run in which he was concussed, and it was like a vicious elbow too. I mean, it was like a zone scheme that he patiently. It looked really good, but it was one carry, and he he could maybe fill the more power role. But absolutely, Jeff Wilson is the guy too. Eventually, if he can come back, that guy hurt his knee by just uh, getting up out of a, a stool. Uh, by the way. I mean, it's it's just wild, the injuries that San Francisco suffers. I like Jeff Wilson, though. I read in an interview, he was like, when people are like, so Kyle Shanahan, what are you? He's like, I know what I do. I know what my job is. I just run north-south. I don't really get too fancy. I don't get too creative. Like, he was so humble, and he was like, I get it. I know what I do. That's nice. We're, we're in favor of self-awareness on the Yahoo Fantasy Football Forecast podcast. That is it. We have previewed every game that will be played this Sunday, and now we and you are ready for the weekend. If you're on Twitter, make sure to follow me at Liz Loza underscore FF, Dalton at Dalton Del Don, not the imposter account, and at Yahoo Fantasy for all the latest in fantasy news and analysis. Have a little podcast plug. If you like podcasts, we're assuming you do because you listen to this one for a full betting preview of the games we just discussed. You want to make sure you're subscribed to the Yahoo Sportsbook Daily on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And because we like you so much, you'll also be getting a bonus Saturday podcast on this feed from Matt Harmon and TJ Hernandez with a full DFS preview on Sunday's games. Until then, we're out and good luck. 